Amen. Welcome to the Life Center. I don't know if there is, I don't know if there is any song really that sums up what we're about here better than that. It's about life change. It's about hope. It's about healing. It's about, it's about us coming to Christ knowing that we can't do it by ourselves. And he can fix all of that brokenness and all of those things that we struggle with. So uh, if you're a guest here today, thank you so much for being here. I'm Pastor Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here and, and love this church, love this community, love the people that make this community what it is. And, and uh, Pastor Scott, our senior pastor, kicked this series off, Haunted Houses, last Sunday. And um, he started off by, by asking everybody um, if they liked Haunted Houses and uh, I think there's a few folks that stood and, you know, they, they liked the whole experience. Well, I have a personal story about haunted houses that, you know, I felt very prompted to tell you about uh, this morning. Uh, it was not a spiritual prompting. It was just, I want to tell you the story. Uh, and so uh, I was, uh, I don't know, college age, 17, 18, some, 19, somewhere in there. And so I was living in Texas at the time and, and we decided a bunch of us were going to a haunted house. And I'm telling you, that picture was the house we went to. No kidding. It looked just like that. And it was, we drove out. It was dark. You know, it was perfect. We drove out into the woods and this huge field, and there sits this house. And, and so it was, cars were parked. We got, out, we got in line, went to this house, and it was fascinating. I mean, they, they did it. It was like something out of Disney World. I mean, it was fantastic. And so we went through all the stages in the house, and, and I was freaked out. And, and we get to this one scene, and it was a big room. Uh, and in the center of the room was a long, like, dining table. And the way they built it was you came out of a door, and you were on a stage probably twice as high as this. And the walkway went, it was a rectangular room, so it went this way and then got to the wall and went this way and went down a ramp, and it took you out the door. So when you came in, all you see is this big center table. There's all kinds of stuff down there. So you're like... I am catching every detail. I'm walking slowly. I'm waiting for something to get me. It seems to be a relatively safe place-ish. There was a railing, you know, between me and whatever's looming out there. And so I'm walking. I'm paying attention to all the detail. And then I'm, I'm, I'm making my way around the curve, and some joker comes out from under the stage with a chainsaw. <laughs> Everything went black. I saw a light at the end of the tunnel, my grandmother in a white robe. Mama, I'm coming home. I just knew that was it. I'm t- I don't think I've ever been that scared in my whole life. Chainsaws and haunted houses. It's just the mix. So I don't go to haunted houses anymore. <laughs> I was kind of done with that. So in prepping for this today, I-, I think you guys have seen some of these pictures. I couldn't help it. Uh, Christian Papa said, these are faces of people in the haunted house. I'm sure I was every one of these. You, you can advance some. This one's great. The woman's totally fine. He's freaked out. This guy's eyes, they're popping out of his head. (laughs) This last picture. I'm not sure what's happening here. I mean, Shaggy is cool with this whole thing. She's about to... uh, It's great. You gotta love haunted houses. So, Pastor Scott... He set the stage for this, and he talked about the direction we're going for the next couple weeks about, about dealing with things in our home. And, and you know that, that as we are, so our home is, right? 
Um, if you're a single person living in your little one-bedroom studio, as you are, so is your little one-bedroom studio. And so there are things that we build in our lives that create the home environment that we live in as time progresses. So that's what we're talking about. So we're going to dig a little deeper today. Uh, we're going to talk about the darkness that we, can, we allow to take up residence in our home. And I've, I've dubbed it Resident Evil. So for all the gamers out there, this is for you. Um, so I, I really am hoping that you can kind of stay with us on this journey over the next uh, few weeks. Um, and here's the thing is part of what we're doing for the next two weeks is identifying areas in our lives where these things reside. So when you, you know, everybody knows that if you're dealing with an issue, the first thing you have to do is identify that you have the issue, right? Identifying and recognizing it is the first step to your healing or recovery. So the next couple of weeks we're about identifying, but don't lose heart. We will tell you uh, at the end of this, on our fourth week, we're going to talk about ways to deal with this. We're going to talk about the how-to, and we've called that one Ghostbusters. That's fun. <laughs> so we're going to talk about those kind of things and how to, how to recover and how to, how to sure up your home and make it a safe place. So today we're going to talk about Resident Evil, things that, are, that are, we have chosen to allow to live in our homes that really shouldn't be there. And I want, you, I want to just put this disclaimer out there. Everybody in this room, this fits in some capacity, me included. And it's not, we're not preaching these messages because we have solved all these problems and we want to share this information with you. We are preaching these messages because this is where we live. We struggle with the same things, the same battles. And so as a community of believers, of Christ followers, we link arms together to become better, to have our faith increase, to be stronger in Christ. And so as we do this, we do it together. There's a thing we say around here uh, very often, and it's Jesus will take you just as you are doesn't matter your condition at all. There are no pre-qualifications to coming to Christ. But the second part of that, he promises not to leave you where you are. That's like our saying around here. Jesus will take you any way you are, but he promises not to leave you there. And that's the ticket. What we're talking about here is not being left in areas of our life that we don't want to be living in because it's not conducive to a good Christian life and a good life built with faith and a blessed life and all that. So we're going to jump into Matthew chapter 12, and I just lay a little groundwork here to help you understand what we're talking, the context of this. So Jesus is doing his earthly ministry. He's performing miracles. Amazing things are happening, and he's chafing the religious world because he, he didn't come and do everything exactly like they thought he should. Their Messiah that they had envisioned in their mind did not look anything like a child born in a stable. They thought he was going to be royalty. Well, they just didn't recognize it when it came. And so the people that studied religion and the religious leaders, uh, when Jesus started doing his Jesus thing, it kind of messed with them a little bit because it didn't fit in the pattern that they were anticipating. How many of you know that's true? Jesus does the way he wants to do it. And we often say, I didn't know what he was doing, but I'm glad he did it his way, right? When you look back, you realize God knows what he's doing. <laughs> Interesting. Um, so, so in this scenario, the religious leaders were frustrated with him. So, so all these miracles were happening. I mean, all kinds of things were happening. And they show up one day and they're like, you know, if you're, if you're the Messiah, would you show us a sign? And I'm, I'm sure, I don't know if Jesus rolled his eyes, but I'm sure he rolled his eyes. Like, Really? I've just healed people. I've raised dead people. I've fed 5,000 people with a little lunch, and you want a sign? I mean, here's your sign. <laughs> so, um, so they come to him with this whole thing, and, and he, he just lays into them. He's like, you guys just don't get it. And so that's the scene where this next scripture that I'm about to read to you comes from. And Jesus was being very, when he revealed this, this truth, this, this principle, 
If you understand the context, which I gave you a brief description of, you can go back and read it in Matthew 12, but it, it applies because it's not just something he was telling them. It's a principle that he is speaking out in that moment. And so this is what he says. Matthew 12, verse 43. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid or dry places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left, and when it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. Now, what does that have to do with what we're talking about? I'm going to help you understand that. How many of you know people who went down a bad path in their life and it started out as one thing, but as the years progressed, it really got worse? Like it became a myriad of every. <laughs> there's hands popping up everywhere. Like, okay, so I started down this path and everybody told me I shouldn't, but I did it anyway. And then I didn't know I was going to pick up this junk and that junk and this addiction and this habit and this. I, then by the time I find myself, I'm kind of like the the story of the prodigal son, if you know that story, the guy leaves home with his inheritance, squanders it all, and he ends up in a pig pen. And the Bible tells the story this way. It says when he, he's in his pig pen, he really comes to his senses. How many of you have, well, you don't have to raise your hand, but I know that it's easy for us to not come to our senses until we are in the pig pen. <laughs> We're just kind of wired that way, right? We just realize, man, I just did not. So that's what Jesus is explaining in this scripture. He uses impure spirits and he uses spiritual things to help us understand a natural phenomenon, right? When you head down the wrong path, you don't always anticipate picking up all the junk that comes along with you. Right. So residence means residing in or dwelling in a place. So in other words, if you have a guest room in your house, it's not called a resident room. It's called a guest room. Because the thought is, this guest is going to stay and leave, <laughs> right? Residence means you're part of the house. You help pay the bills. You help pay for food. You're like, you belong here, so you contribute. So when we're talking about resident evil, I want you to understand there's, there's, there's a difference between things that influence us and things that we allow to live in us or with us. And that's what we're going to uncover today. Pastor Scott talked about it last week, about how the home was designed, and it's important that it is a healthy, safe environment where our families can grow in healthy, uh, uh, in a healthy way, in a in a clean way, in a in a life-giving way. Right? That's what our home is meant to be, and I believe that it's God's plan for that. But we get sidetracked, we get derailed, we allow things to move into the guest room, and they become permanent residents there. Right? And so we've got to figure out what that is and move that along. You know, I just want to say this. If, if your only God connection happens on Sunday when you're here with the community, I would just like to let you know there's so much more to life than that. You can have a God connection at your dining room table. You can have a God connection sitting on your bed before you go to bed at night. You can have a God connection in the shower. The point is God lives with us. He, the Bible says that this, this body is the temple now. Of the presence of God. So if he lives here, he's not locked into this building when we close on Sunday afternoon. He goes with us. So if you only have your God encounter here, then I hope you really can 
understand the direction we're going today to help you realize that that is just a small piece. We gather together to help encourage and strengthen and motivate. And, and as a community, we, we agree together and our faith is lifted. But every day, God is with us. And if you're following him, he has a plan for your life that applies to every area of your life. So, so let's look at some of these residents, resident evils that lurk in our haunted house. The first and easiest one to identify are addictions. Everybody knows that if you have an addiction, that is a resident evil in your life, right? You want to get rid of it. And, and addiction is, is something that now is so, it takes on so many forms. It can be unhealthy relationships. It can be pornography. It can be substance. It can be shopping. It can be binge eating or binge watching. It can be gaming. I mean, the list is, if the thing controls you, it's an addiction, if you can't sit it down and walk away, it's an addiction. And it can take on any form or flavor or style or, or fashion that you want to call it. But at the end of the day, if it is owning you, you don't own it. And we are meant to be a slave to only one, and that is Christ who we are following. So if we're a slave to something else, we need to peel that back and find out what resident evil we've allowed to live in our home and in our home. All right, so... We understand what that is. We understand what that does to us. So in Romans chapter 6, verse 16, Paul writes this. He says, Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Right? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or slaves to obedience, which leads to righteousness... Whoever, whatever controls you, you become a slave to it. So if you're going to be a slave... You best tether yourself up to one who has true life that he can give you. And that's okay, right? That's okay. The second thing, and this I think is prevalent, it seems prevalent in our society today, and that is fear. And fear takes on many forms. It takes on many, many attributes. You know, I know families who have children that struggle with night terrors. Have you, ever, have you know anyone that's like that? If you've ever had your kid that wakes up in a, you know, freaking out, screaming, sweating, just in a straight panic, that's a night terror. And then some people, their kids struggle with this, like it's an ongoing thing. And, and adults, I mean, I'm sure you know adults that, that struggle with anxiety to the point where it cripples them. I had an uncle who had terrible, terrible form of anxiety, and for years he could not leave his bedroom on a lot of medication, would not even leave his bedroom, much less his house. Just crippling fear. And I would just like to say that if, if, that, if fear, fear is not of God, fear is not of God. And 2 Timothy says, for I've given you the spirit, and I've not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. God does not live in a space of fear. If you read the scripture and you say that people, and you come across passages where it talks about people fearing God, that is not the fear that I'm talking about here. Fear that controls and fear that grips and fears that, that steal your faith, that is not of God and it's not meant to live in your house. And if you, if you have a propensity to have this or you, your kids struggle with this or, or there's a lot of this in your home and this, this fear, this evil, this darkness is resonant in your home and you realize after you look back at your, your, movie, your video watching over the last six months and all you've watched are horror movies, there may be a connection you're feeding something that's not really welcome in your home, but how many of you know if you, you, you feed the stray cat, the, the cat moves in? That's the way this stuff works. 
You feed the stray cat, he's just going to keep coming back for meals. So if you keep this, 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 this fear element in your home and you allow it to be there, then what you don't control are the byproducts of that. Right? When the spirit goes around, it comes back, the house is clean. Hey, I'm going to go bring some buddies of mine to move in. We don't control the buddies we don't control the side effects of what we're allowing. So the, the resident evil that moves in becomes fear that grips our children, grips our home. And it's not a place, a safe haven anymore. I had a coworker that he and his younger brother, his younger brother's like seven, eight years old, uh, and his dad loved to watch horror flicks. And so the three of them were watching the Chucky series, you know, the Chucky doll. So they watch the movie. Seven years old, this kid's young, right? The dad sneaks into the kid's room while they're watching the movie, and he puts a Chucky doll in his bed. I'm pretty sure that's child abuse. I'm pretty sure. So the kid goes upstairs. He's already like freaked out, you know, and he opens his bed covers and boom, Chucky's there. I I don't know if that kid's were. He's in a hospital somewhere, I'm quite sure, as an adult. Man, that's just bad. (laughs) That's just bad. So fear moves in. Fear becomes a resident evil about the darkness that lives in our home. And let me tell you something. I don't know if you've ever tried this, but I've done this before. If you have a kid who is struggling with this anxiety and fear, put them to sleep at night with worship music. I'm telling you, you play worship music in your house, you've been outside and you come in the house and that music is playing, something's different in your home, is it not? How about in your car? It's hard to be angry and flip people off when worship music is is on the the stereo, right? You're like, I probably shouldn't do that, sorry. (laughs) What you're doing is you're creating an environment. If you stop feeding the stray cat, he'll go to the neighbor's house. <laughs> if you stop leaving the window open, the stuff won't come in the house. And so if there are things in our life, if we're, if we're struggling with anxiety and fear, what are we feeding? What have we allowed to move in that doesn't belong in our home anymore? It doesn't belong there. And I'm not just talking, when I say home, I hope you can track with me. I'm talking about here, and I'm talking about the physical home you have. So if you're single and I like it, this doesn't apply to me. I just have a studio apartment. It applies to you. If you're living in the basement of your parents' house, (laughs) it applies to you. If you're the guest in the guest room that's become resident, it applies to you as well. And reading the scripture, I can't emphasize the importance of reading God's word. In 1 John 4, 18, it says, there is no fear In love, but perfect love drives out fear. There's no place for that resident evil in our home. The other area is is unrest and discord. If your home is constantly in in some uh, tumultuous environment, like you just can't be at peace. There's always bickering. There's always argument. Everybody's at each other. And and then, then you realize one night when you're sitting at the dinner table and you've spent the last 15 minutes griping about your boss and everything that's wrong with that person and everything that's wrong with he should just better off dead than be existing in your life and you realize that I am feeding this monster in my house. If there's this constant talk of, of tearing other people down and, and tearing other family members down and tearing other friends down and always this conversation, if it's just you and the spouse uh, and you're talking like this, it's starting to affect your wife. If you have kids around the table, they're listening, they just assume that the only way dad is going to love me is if I'm perfect. 
You're setting this tone in, in the atmosphere of your home that is just giving itself to unrest. And so now you have a resident evil in your house sitting at your table that's just there stirring it all up. We control who we let in the door of our home. We control that. So you may not have realized the connection. And what I'm trying to help you understand today is what that connection looks like. If you want a house filled with peace and harmony, it can happen. <laughs> it can happen, but it takes work. And you've got to find out if there's resident evil in your home and eject them and evict them from your home so that peace can move in inside instead. Holding grudges is not the right approach. It's never going to work. You've got to have a, a home, an environment that is quick to forgive, quick to ask for forgiveness, not, not this constant pressure of perfection. You've messed up, and so now I'm not sure it's going to take me a few months to get over this. No, it's not how it works. That's not how it should work. As Christ followers, let me just say this, and I believe this with all of my heart. If you profess to be a Christ follower and you have a family it doesn't matter what your children ever do. The first place that should come to their mind when they have royally hosed it is your home. If they have sinned, if they have committed the worst crime possible, anything that they have done that has broken trust and shattered dreams, the first place of safety should be their home. And you know who controls that? The parents control that. If we create an environment of forgiveness and long-suffering and mercy and grace, that will be what they will build when they have the opportunity to build their homes. You have to decide what's going to live in your house. And I don't want my kid in trouble going to somebody else because it feels safer there. I want them to come home. If there's no other place to go, home is where they go. We have to build that. And if we allow this resident evil of discord and unrest and bickering and gossip and griping and unforgiveness to live in our house, that is not the place they will turn to. They'll go somewhere else. Our homes should be a place of hope and healing and forgiveness all the time, every time. And let me just tell you something. While I'm on this and we seem so perfect, we're not. So we're going to mess this up. Right? Just because you're a parent doesn't mean you float and have wings and have a halo. No, just because that is your child does not mean that child will not drive you to borderline insanity. <laughs> Still, <laughs> I, was th I thought maybe as they became adults that changed, but apparently not. <laughs> apparently not. So the deal is, how do you model this? How do you teach your children? How do you in your marriage... How do you work this unforgiveness thing? How do you work this, this peace in your... I mean, I, I, as wonderful as my wife is. I'm going to walk very carefully here. <laughs> I do stupid things. She makes me mad. I know you do not believe that's possible. And one thing I've learned from her, and this has been a 25 years of going to school. I still haven't passed this grade. I'm stuck in third grade, 25 years. <laughs> when she does something that annoys me or is wrong or is just irritating, I have such a hard time just letting it go. I want you to pay <laughs> to the penny. I mean, I'm going to milk this. 
because you're the one that's wrong. And so I'm, oh, this doesn't happen often, but boy, I'm going to reap all the rewards here. Yeah, that's not Christ-like at all. So what she's helped me do is she's helped me realize that when I want to leverage that judgment, I'm putting myself in a position that is causing her not to feel like her mistake is just a mistake because I want to judge her for that mistake, punishment. And then when I'm doing something wrong, I'm like, it's just a mistake, you know, let it, let it go. What are you holding on this for? Yeah, it's fun to be in this position because none of you guys have to worry about that. But I have to get up here and tell it all. So that's the deal, right? We create that environment. In Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to read this verse fast because it's really hard. So listen quickly. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Great. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) If you do not forgive your heavenly Father... Wow, will not forgive. I don't, I don't want to be in that position. I don't want the one that really matters to say, you know what, I'd love to forgive you, but you, know, you just have a hard time letting go and your wife is suffering because of it. So guess what? Today I'm going to choose who wants to be in that position. So if you have a hard time forgiving, pin this one on your dashboard. Remember that... We are to be Christ. As, as husbands, as men, we represent Christ. As women, we represent the love of Christ to our children. As parents, we represent the unity of Christ to our children. And as children, they look to us as the example and the guide for wh- how, is, how is my heavenly father going to treat me if my dad is always beating me down? Is that how he is as well? Yeah. Oh, this is kind of turning into a marriage seminar. I don't know. This is where we live, right? It's our home. It's our home. And so if we create this environment where there's healing, there's hope, there's forgiveness, it doesn't matter what I do. I know they'll forgive me. They'll help me. They will not leave me in my current condition just like Christ doesn't leave me in my current condition, but he will not hold it against me. I'm telling you, this is a life changer. It's a life changer. And the last one is death, not physical death, but emotional and spiritual death. I cannot tell you a constant diet of negativity will do to a person's self-esteem and a person's dreams and a person's future. And if we, if we constantly speak to our spouse in a negative connotation all the time, we are putting our spouse at risk and pushing them into the arms of someone who doesn't do that to make it very practical. Or we're putting a wedge between us and them in a marriage that's supposed to be unified. And, and we're, we're, not only are we opening the door in our own life for this resident evil of negativity to live in us and death to live in us, but now we're opening our spouse up to the same type of haunting, right? Because that's all they're hearing in their head voice is he doesn't believe in me. She doesn't believe in me. She thinks I'm a loser. She thinks I'm a failure. He thinks I'm never going to do anything right. That constant die. We've just opened the door and that negativity and that fear, it turns into all kinds of depression. All ki- it moves in the house. And now they have a resident evil that they didn't invite in, but you open the door and let into their world. Guard what we say because it matters. 
It really, really matters. We don't want that kind of darkness to steal steal away the dreams and ambitions of our children as they're growing. We don't want to steal that from our spouse because they tethered to us because they believed that we believed in them. It's amazing how much a word from my wife can either send me on a skyrocket, I can take over the world, or put me right in the pit of hell. Boom. (laughs) Just like that. I can get a text from her. I'm like, bring it. I can take whatever you got today. Or I can say, I'm just going to crawl under my desk. (laughs) Right? Just the power of the words that are spoken because that person matters to me. You matter to them. I can do the same thing to her. It's incredible. Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. And if Christ came to give us life and to give us an abundant life, then what are we supposed to do? What kind of home are we supposed to create? What kind of, what, what kind of atmosphere is our home supposed to be? What kind of, what kind of place is this home that I'm building supposed to be? What kind of What kind of thought process is supposed to go behind this? What kind of words are supposed to be spoken so that life can be living in my home and not not just the opposite? I don't want my kids to go have to go to an uncle or a friend to get encouragement from an uh, an adult. I want them to find it here. Right? I don't want my spouse to have to get encouraged by a friend of hers. I want her to be able to be encouraged here. What resident evil are we allowing that's causing death to breed in our home? Death of dreams, death of hope, death of ambition, death of a good self-esteem, death. You understand? You're with me, right? It's not complicated. Not complicated. Those these four areas are just, they're just an easy four. This could go on and on and on, right? As we unpack the areas of our life where we where we look at and realize, you know, why is it? that my home is in this condition? Why is it that there's never this? Why is it that, that I'm always struggling in this area in my home? I mean, this, this applies to every area of our life. What are we allowed to move in? I mean, if, if, if God isn't in your finances, there's a resident evil there. And we could have a whole sermon series on that one. Because if we're not putting God first in that part of our life, we're allowing other influences to move in and control that for us. And let me tell you something. There's only one that really uh, really values and has a good plan for you, and it's, it's Christ. It's not Satan. And it's not your neighbor or your best friend. Christ has a plan for your life. And if we open up and allow him to help us find the areas in our home that there's a resident evil there, let's get it out. Let's take the trash out. Let's stop feeding the neighborhood cat. If you're married and you want to build a marriage that is a good marriage, a marriage that will last. And let me tell you something. Just because you introduce Christ to your marriage does not mean that other person is not going to drive you nuts. So just get that out of your head. There's no such thing as marriage. (laughs) There isn't. There's just marriage. And it's the kind that you roll your sleeves up and you work because you love the person you're tethered to. Right? Divorce isn't an option. Marriage is about unity. So just kick that stuff out. Move it out. When you agree to get married, you're agreeing to the life 
And so you'll get to choose, am I going to fight for this? Am I going to make this win? Or am I just going to let it be another statistic? No, we're going to change that because we believe around Life Center that God changes lives, including mine, every part of our life. So keep Christ at the center. If you've got, if you, if I pray we just have the courage to be honest. If we realize there's something wrong, quit ignoring it. The ostrich with his head in the sand is not going to mean that the enemy and the evil is not around you. Pretending it's not there doesn't fix it. If you have children creating a home that is safe, full of life, that empowers them to grow and become all that God intends them to be, we have to kick the evil out so the right stuff is in our home so they can grow in this way. If you're single, establish the boundaries for your home now. Determine some of your non-negotiables when you start the dating app scene, right? When you're doing the dating game, don't just whatever shows up, well, let's roll the dice on this one, see how this works. No, create some non-negotiables now. I'm going to have a safe home. I'm going to have a marriage that's going to last. I'm going to have peace in my home. Establish it now. Don't wait until you're five years in. You're like, what did I do? (laughs) That's where the rest of us are. No, I'm just kidding. We have the ability to determine who's living in our home. Not physically, (laughs) that too. Spiritually. In verse number 44 of the first place I read, it says, Then that spirit returns to the house that it left. And when it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. And I'm setting Pastor Scott up for next week. Don't miss next week. Because these two are like socks and shoes. Can't have one without the other. You got to follow this path, right? Finds that house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in. Make sure when you're identifying these areas where you say, you know what, that just shouldn't be living in this home. When you start evaluating what social media is happening in your home, what, what media content is in your home all the time, what music is in your home all the time, when you're evaluating all these things and, and you're looking and you're pulling it apart and you're saying, you know, what, what's hiding in the walls of my home? What's there that doesn't need to be there? I don't like this, this unrest, this, this, this negative feeling, all this stuff. When you're doing that, remember, when you clean it out, you've got to backfill it with the right thing. So if it's addiction you're struggling with, you got to fill it up with a healthy alternative. you got to work your steps. you got to surround yourself with the right support. you got to do the things you know that will backfill that void that's about to get taken out of your life. Dig a little deeper and realize what caused the void to begin with. Find that solution and you filled the hole. So when that thing comes back around, it's like, oh, the house is clean, but it's full. Somebody moved in. It's not me. I'll go on to the next place. Does that make sense? Does that pull the pieces together okay? Close the door. Fill it up with the right thing. If it's fear that's plaguing your house, fill your house up with love. It's perfect love that casts out fear. If your kid's freaking out because they're scared, find out what they're feeding their mind. Lay in bed with them until their fear subsides. Put your arms around them. Draw them close. Give them a safety net. Let them know that love is there. And you know what? If we're too proud as adults to admit that we have fear, that's part of the problem. If you're afraid, if you have anxiety, I'm afraid of this job I've got to do. I'm afraid of this next step I've got to take. Find that love in your spouse. They will feed it. They will encourage. They'll fill it up with the right thing. I'm talking about changing lives. 
and living a life that makes a difference because that's what we believe God has called us to do at this community. If it's unrest and discord and yeah, 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 fill that home up with forgiveness and peaceful content. I mean, if you got to turn the worship music up loud and on repeat, just do it. If you screw up, just look at the person. If it's your kid and say, you know, I'm sorry, I screwed up. Teach the child what forgiveness looks like because there will, listen to this, you can write it down. There will be a day when that child or that spouse has done something that they don't feel like they can be forgiven for. And if you've taught them what it looks like, they'll find, man, they will find a place and their faith in God will get them past that moment that would cripple most people because someone showed them what forgiveness looks like. If your house is full of death and dead dreams and dead ambitions start speaking life it may sound stupid it may sound weird when you go into your kids room look I'm gonna just it's hard sometimes to pray in your home it's awkward it's easy to pray in church because people pray it's easy you're at your home Got a 12-year-old kid. And you're the dad. Like, I need to pray for my kid. That's got awkward written all over it. If you're that worried about it, and it's that awkward for you, I'm going to give you some next steps. Wait your kid goes to sleep. Slip into their room. Kneel down by their bed. And just talk to Jesus about that kid. That's all you got to do. Salvation is easy. Salvation is easy. You just have to recognize that there's a God and it's not you. You got to confess your sins and you'll be born again. Living for Christ, different story. It takes work. It takes people that are tired of accepting crap. saying, you know what, I, I don't have to live in this environment anymore. My kids don't have to struggle. Listen to me. Don't have to struggle like I did. It's not about giving them everything. It's about giving them the right thing. Show them what it means to love unconditionally. Show them what it means to forgive because one day they're going to need that in their life. And if we do it now, it'll happen automatically. No matter where they are, what wall they've run into, what tragedy has happened in their life, they will know exactly where to go. And he will not disappoint them ever. Man, we're making, we're, we're digging deep today. <laughs> Plowing deep rows today. Seeds getting planted today. This is a life-changing moment. And I hope you have a great week. And I encourage you to be back here next week because we've got some 
amazing things that God's doing. And if you're not part of Leadership Track, it happens this Wednesday at 7. You can join anytime. If you're part of it, make sure you're here. It's going to be a great week. God bless you. Have an amazing week.